had a website, but it wasn't, it was just, it was almost like a vanity project back then. Now it is like an entrance fee to have a business. Good. Hey, I wanted to let you know that the Google guarantee, the Google ads, man, I'm getting 12 to 16 calls a week. My goal is at least do 10 to 15 more years, grow it up, sell it for 40, 50 million, maybe more. Today is March 24th, 2023, and our guest is Tanner Mullen. Tanner is the founder of Drip Jobs, one of the leading software platforms for home service pros, but that's not all. He also owns a residential painting business called Premium Painting, is the originator of the Painting Contractors Facebook group with more than 160,000 members, is the host of one of the most popular podcasts in the space, Contractor Secrets, and above all, is an outstanding father. Tanner, we're over the moon to have you here on Titan Talks. Thanks so much for coming on and welcome to the show. Dude, I feel like I'm about to enter into a stadium, man. That was awesome. John. <laughs> Thank you, man. To start things off, Tanner, we'd, we'd love to hear, uh, how, how'd you get started as a painter? Give us an origin story. Let's go all the way back. Wow. Um, well, I would, it was, uh, I was in high, well, uh, yeah, high school, ninth grade, summer, wanted to get an Xbox. My dad painted, he worked for a painting company and on the weekend he would do side jobs. And it's six o'clock in the morning when most kids were sleeping in, getting ready to watch their favorite Saturday morning TV shows. My dad would turn on the light and say, get up, we're going to work. <laughs> uh, we'd stop at McDonald's uh, on the way. And uh, I don't do that anymore. Wouldn't keep me going as fast as I go now, but we'd stop at McDonald's on the way. And he'd take me to a uh, retirement community where he, you know, built a name for himself, word of mouth, um, did no advertising. It was me and him. And he'd pick up a, a guy that uh, was on his, uh, his work crew that he knew. And uh, I would be responsible for the prepping. I'd do all the taping, um, you know, and, and rolling and really just learn the trade that way. And then from there, um, obviously, you know, I would, I would work in the summers. I just remember he'd, he'd give me $60 for the day. I'd stash it away and uh, bought myself an Xbox. And after that, I was like, all right, well, I don't really want to go to work anymore. I got an Xbox now. Um, so, uh, but from there, I always remembered, you know, what the feeling was um, in the industry. And like, and my mother always told me, she's like, you know, you, you, you need to, you need to start a trade. You need to get into the trade. You always have work, you know? And like, I'm like, no mom, I want to be a sports agent or I want to, you know, do all the cool things. And, um, you know, she passed away, but man, she would be so proud now, you know, because it's like, I really took her advice, you know, it was pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Um, but anyway, so, uh, I, I go into college, um, you know, I, I get started, um, on my career path. I was never like just a college kid. I always had to work my way through my, you know, my dad, obviously you can imagine, uh, around that time I'm, I graduated 2011. So the time period I'm telling you was around 2006, you know, right before it like crashed. Right. So, you know, once that happened, he wasn't really able to sustain himself. He had no advertising, no marketing, nothing. It was just my mother printing some business cards for him on Vistaprint. And, uh, you know, that was it. So we were, he was heavily reliant. And as I help contractors now, I really see how dangerous that was. Um, so, you know, one of those things was, you know, for me, as I, you know, you know, go into the, uh, uh, as I, as I, you know, 
going to college and all this, you know, he's still trying to make his way through. And um, I get into, uh, you know, management in the restaurant, you know, I worked my way up from a server, I was making good money making tips. And I'm thinking, man, you know what, my career path is going to be owning a restaurant. That's it. I, I, I want to own a restaurant. So one thing about me is, if I have a vision for what I want to do, nothing stops me. I just have this belief in me that I, if anything, I touch anything, I could do it. You know, it's just, it's who I am. You know, you know, it's one of those things. It just doesn't, I don't stop. So I get into the restaurant and I work my way up at 19 years old. I'm a, already the assistant manager of the restaurant at 20 years old. I got an opportunity. I'm a general manager of a restaurant at 20. I can't even drink. Um, and I'm managing people telling them not to drink, you know? So it was really interesting dynamic, but what it was is the work ethic that I've built up until that time was really strong. There'd be nights I'm not getting out until three o'clock in the morning. Um, and I'm thinking, man, if I have a family one day, like this is not where I want to be. Like, there's just no way. Like there was just nights where I'm just like dealing with drunk people and chaos. I mean, I'm in a college town. Okay. So um, a friend of mine got a job selling cars and I'm like, you know what? That sounds good. It's nine to five. It's commission, it's sales. I want to learn sales. So got a job selling cars at Toyota. That was eye-opening for me. I learned the art of the clothes. I learned how to pursue leads. I learned how to create something out of nothing. What, what, I, what, what I didn't realize at the time was I'm becoming numb to objection. And I'm learning that I have to create my opportunities, create my opportunities, create my opportunities. So I had a good 10-month stint selling cars. I averaged 17 cars a month. Some months I had 20 25 some months I had nine it was just it was volatile and I'm thinking man I get no salary this is just straight commission so for me I'm I'm, I'm working this car sales job I, I have to quit I have no money nothing I mean it was one of those things where like you know I sold two cars the month that I quit and that was why I quit it was January after after Christmas time and everyone was telling me stick it out stick it out you know you know, the opportunity, and I'm, I'm thinking the opportunity is not coming. People are not walking up to this dealership and I can't waste any more time. I'm becoming dumber. I'm sitting here just honestly, and they don't even let you read. I mean, I used to read books at the front and they told me to get off my phone. I'm like, I'm reading books, trying to get better. And like, no, I don't want you on your phone. So I get into life insurance sales. I was on my own. There was no physical structure to go to. There was no, there was nobody telling me to be at work on time. Uh, there was nobody telling me, uh, Tanner, you know, make sure you do X, Y, Z in order to prepare yourself for the week. I was on my own and a part of me developed this, this discipline that I think many business owners miss. And it's this discipline of you're your own boss. You need to hold yourself accountable. You need to treat this as if somebody's behind you checking in. I was already numb to phone rejection, but I got really good at setting appointments on the phone. I mastered this system and I actually found my way to the top of the company. I was like number 10 for the month as a rookie. Um, and, I, and I'm doing this and I'm like, wow, looks awesome. And then the next month after it was like, again, feast or famine. So anyway, we're getting to the point where I'm like, man, I need stability. So I get a job as a loan officer at a bank and it was a low, le low level loan officer. I did a lot of account management, but what was really interesting about this job, and this is where I pivoted into the painting business is I had an opportunity to sit down with a plethora of people. But people that I sat down with were everyday people like you and me coming in and opening up business accounts. So uh, a gentleman came in uh, one day and he and he had this pamphlet in his hands and he handed it to me and he said, you know, here, this is for you. It's so weird. And on the back, it said uh, this really impactful quote about letting go and knowing who is in charge of your life, obviously referring to God. 
And it was one of those moments where after I got that, I walked right into the manager's office. I said, hey, today I'm putting in my two weeks. I had no jobs, no plan. So I get into the painting business. I found a few jobs from putting out some posts on Facebook to some friends. Hey, started a painting business. Do you or your parents need any painting done? And one of my old football coaches actually back at my high school needed painting done because I moved back home. And um, I knew nothing, guys. I just relied heavily on my father to, to handle the production side. And I was going to do the sales and the marketing. His uh, substance abuse was way worse than I thought it was. Not living with him, I didn't really know. Then I got really involved and I learned that he has a major problem. So I kind of took the reins. I took the painting business pro course, actually. Um, Eric Barstow put out a course and a lot. I consumed a lot of his information. One thing that stood out to me, me, the guy who teaches this now, because I believe it so much, is that his idea behind owning a painting business was he doesn't do any painting. And that was foreign to my family because the only idea of a painting business that I ever had was my father was doing the painting. And even the guy that I was speaking to at the bank, he was doing the painting. So for me, that was, that was interesting. I'm like, well, wait a minute. How are you going to do a, how are you going to run a painting business and not do any painting? So I began the process of talking to friends and using my local network to see if they knew anyone that painted. And one of my friends did said, Hey, I've been painting on the side with a friend of mine. Do you want his information? I said, Sure. So this was my first painter. And I started to notice some things. They just didn't have the standards, the quality, the things that I know that are important. Although I'm new to the painting business, I'm not new to people and I'm not new to sales. And I understand that high standard, good reviews, all of that's important. So from there, I'm thinking, well, this isn't, this isn't going to work. This guy's like smoking, not cigarettes on my job in his truck. Okay. I'm like, <laughs> we can't have that, right? This isn't, this, we're not doing this. This is going to be a, you know, a superior service or we're not going to survive. So I let that guy go, but I liked his helper. His helper was a good kid. He had two kids. He wanted to work hard. He didn't know painting very well. Neither did I, but I would YouTube and figure it out. Okay. I'm like, well, I don't know how to turn on the sprayer, dude. Do you know how? And he's like, no, I'm like, all right, well, let me look up YouTube and see if uh, my buddy Idaho did a video <laughs> on it. Okay. So and, and how I'm far sure. into the business is this? This is, is this first months two months, man. First two months, just figuring it out. Um, so I'm like, all right, well, I guess I have to paint now because it's just me and you. <laughs> but part of me understood that like, I wanted to really learn this. I just honestly wanted to learn the trade because I didn't want anyone in my business to have leverage over me. And I always use this analogy. If you owned a restaurant and you don't know how to cook, well, guess what? If your chef, your chef really owns the restaurant, if he's not in a good mood that day, or if he does something against the, the, the rules of the company, well, your, your patrons don't eat. So for me, I spent six months inside the business doing all the painting with my team. I started growing organically, again, tapping my network of friends. Um, at one point, I had three kids I went to school with working on my crew. No one was a professional painter, but... We took our time, we went slow, and I was there supervising it. And I just kept learning and learning and learning and learning. I'm like, okay, we need to use tape. We need, we need to caulk the tape. I'm serious. I mean, this was just, you know, obviously, this is the mindset. You don't need to have 30 years of experience. You just need to take your time and be willing to make mistakes. Then I, then I fell in love with um, lead generation. I didn't have time to go knock doors. I think I knocked 10 doors and I'm like, this reminds me too much of life insurance. I don't want to do this again let me sign up for this program I heard about. And they were sending me leads. If somebody's interested, I pick up the phone right away, make the phone call. Hey, how's it going? This is Tanner Premium Painting. Um, got your request. Um, just curious. 
um, do you know, did you put in that request? Like it was such a weird approach to it. And I didn't quite understand it. Like, no, no, I'm not interested. And it was so confusing to me. I'm like, wait a minute. No, I just paid $80. You wanted a paint job, right? No, no, I, I, I didn't do that. I'm like, what? So, you know, I got, uh, I got a, a really good taste of what that looked like. So I'm going in, I'm doing it. And, uh, I'm thinking, man, like, as I buy more of these leads, I'm like, man, I'm really losing track of all these people. I'm thinking, man, like, okay, well, I know that I want to text people. I know I want to email them. So when I got that lead, I'd call them right away. Hey, this is Tanner. I, you know, refined my approach. Got your request this Tuesday at one o'clock work. You know, so I, I refined that initial opening statement, right? Getting in there, getting that appointment set. From there, yes, that works great. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. Now, I can't do that if I can't get them on the phone. And I realized that a lot of these leads are not answering the phone. Why? We just live in that world now. People put in requests. They see the phone ring. Maybe they're at work. Maybe they hate answering the phone like I do. And they work mostly off of email and text. I'll add to it. They're probably getting five, six guys calling them. If they uh, and, and they see the, and they're getting yeah. the idea. They're like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm like, all right, well, let me, let me text them. So I created a little note in my phone and I copied that note and I paste it in and I copy that email and paste it in. Now, mind you, I'm on a ladder or I'm like helping my team. Like this isn't efficient, but it made me feel good that I'm doing something. So a day would go by and I'm like, I still haven't got a hold of five of my leads that I just paid $500 for. This sucks. So I wound up creating a spreadsheet. This was just me trying to like, this is just a natural approach to like, I got to keep, because what happened was, is that one or two people would respond to me after four or five days. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, that, that means that this works. It's just a matter of getting people at the right time. We can't make generalizations about people when they buy. You know, we'll create a reason, which is interesting. We'll say, oh, well, they don't want to buy or they're not interested or, you know, that's just baloney, man. They could get home with the kid crying and you call Yeah, they could get home and the kid fell and hit his head and they're, they had to go run to the doctor or the hospital. Who knows, man? You don't know. And you just got to stay true to the system. I'm like a year and a half in now and I'm buying a lot of leads now. I really got to get into it. I'm seeing a lot of customers. I'm starting to get organic traffic. And I fell in love with automation using Zapier to zap the customer into active campaign, send out an email. It was just something that like, I was like, man, this is my style. Like I'm not really a painter, but I love technology. I've always loved computers and I love building spreadsheets. I love building things that save me time. Right. Anyway. So I'm building out this thing and I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, I got the customer coming in from Zapier to active campaign, boom, send them an email right away. I thought I just solved like the biggest problem in the history of contracting. Okay. Because as soon as the lead came in within seconds, they got an email and I'm like, Oh my gosh. And then I, <laughs> I tied in a text message uh, uh, software to that as well. So now they're getting a text, dude. I honestly couldn't believe myself. How large was the spike in terms of job, in terms of jobs that uh, you had? It, you know, to, to be honest, it wasn't the, it wasn't a spike, but what happened was is people were booking themselves. So I would be painting and I knew my automation was following up with those leads, dude. Like it, it was like power, man. It was just like, oh, I don't have to call that lead. You know, they're getting a text message and an email and then boop, I get another message that says, Joanne Smith just booked an appointment uh, for one o'clock and I didn't do anything, man. And I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> so I get on Instagram and I start making videos and start, you know, just like 
taking the people along to with my estimates, dude. I'm like recording myself doing estimates inconspicuously, like presenting prices and running around the house measuring. I'm creating kind of like the mindset of like a sales driven painting business, right? A marketing driven painting business, which is necessary. I mean, you need these two components in order to survive. And I'm talking to an audience of people that believe the same thing I did that they need to paint or that marketing comes natural, or there's just so many customers that, you know, or it's, it's something to wear proudly on your head that you don't market like, Ooh, you don't market. Cool. You know, like, let me see how many jobs you do. It's one of the few industries where there, there's pride in that sense of just oh, being, so working out. but at the end of the day, you, you ultimately care about having a good business feeling stable with right. the business. I'm getting the word out there. And what I did was I'm like, okay, I got to share this system. You can't keep that to yourself. So I created a program called Trade Thrive. And really all I did was white label active campaign. And I built this system out for other people that were doing exactly what I was doing and struggling with what I was struggling with. This is a side project, Tanner, or is this your first business? Uh, no, this was my first business, Trade Thrive. I, I mean, you could call it that. What I did was is I built out all their emails with their logos and their branding. I connected it to Zapier. I connected their lead for them. I set them up with an appointment scheduler and then I tied it into whatever whatever other software they were using. So this was all built on Zapier and it was a huge mess. It was an atrocity. So, <laughs> so COVID comes around and business right now is doing probably about 800,000 a year. I've got it to two crews running full-time, um, two project managers. I'm an employee-based painting company. I just started my podcast, just doing my thing, right? COVID hit. I'm like, you know what? Of course, everybody had a moment in COVID to think, right? And make that pivot, you know? Like, all right, world's going nuts. What am I going to do? A few so, weeks inside, we'll, we'll do that to you. You start reflecting on what I... Yeah, so I get into uh, Instagram and I see this company. Um, they were a really unique username. And I thought it was an app for contractors. They had the job schedule and they had invoicing, but they didn't have what I, what people want, that marketing component, that follow-up automation, right? So I reach out to this company. I'm like, hey, I want to white label your software. And I sit and I write down a 10 page, like, this is all that I want. Like, I was so excited because I'm like, maybe they can build, build this for me because I need some things added to it. So I'm like, all right, well, maybe they'll build it. So I, I presented to them. They're like, Tanner, there's no way we're going to build this <laughs> for you. And everyone's so quick to go overseas because it's cheaper. I was all in, dude. I was like, you know, I knew that this was going to work. There was nothing in my head that said that this wasn't going to work. So they give me a quote to build it. Biggest number I've ever seen. Wow. Talked to my <laughs> wife. Had to really convince her, but she gave me the green light. And we're like, we're going all in. Like, Any, any chance you could uh, share that number? Uh, it was above six figures. That was the initial investment. Let's put it that way. More than, it was probably 75% of all. be one of the app. What's that? V1. That was V1. Just to get V1 right? of the app. Yeah. That was V. That was the quote for V1. That was a full app. That was the, that was the mobile phone. And then I'm like, all right, we need to go overseas. No I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but, but again, you know what I what I liked about this company was they were U.S. based. So I go in, I say, let's do it, and we begin a 10 month journey of crafting the software, drip jobs. But of course, they would send me something, and it wouldn't be right. And then they would charge me to fix it. This was getting out of hand, right? I mean, so we got to near the end of the 10 months. The app was okay. It was probably a three out of 10. A lot of things were broken. A lot of things didn't work right. 
I'm thinking to myself, this is not sustainable. I've always been good at pivoting. I know like I I'll take another risk. I don't know code. I don't know how to get code. I don't even know what it looks like, but I knew that if I wanted to succeed in this, I needed a CTO. Like I needed somebody that would wear my logo and know that and do what's in the best interest of my company, not just take orders. Yeah, just close. jacking up the bill, man. Yeah. I'm like, my wife's like another 20 grand. I'm like, yeah, I don't even know what they did. It was like <laughs> that. I mean, I'll be honest with you. So anyway, so we got to that point. Um, long story short, finally got a CTO, met him on Reddit. Um, and from there, uh, we have a solid internal development team. We have six full-time developers working on drip jobs around the clock. Um, it's, it's amazing. 600 companies use it now, which is amazing. Um, and I honestly feel like we're just an extension of 600 businesses. We're in their pocket. We are every time that we add a feature, and this is what I don't understand about software companies that don't do this. There's software companies and you'll hear people say they don't update it. They don't do anything. Like, like I have a legit responsibility. Um, we just came out with like a, a feature that allows you to send a blast message to all your contacts and seeing how many people are using this. Like, dude, it's, it's wild. So that's the story. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> thank, thank you, Tana. That was fantastic. Um, a few follow-ups. For our listeners who perhaps haven't heard of Drip Jobs, could we do a one-on-one on what it is? And then would love to dig into the features a little bit. Um, what's your top feature and then most requested feature from customers? What do they oh, need? Most for? requested, man. So let's start with what it is. Trip Jobs is an all-in-one platform. First thing is it has the marketing and automation component, right? Whenever you get a lead, it of course will do that follow-up for you automatically, text and email. But it's not just for people that buy leads. It's for anyone that owns a business. It does, you know, of course, like it has an intake form for someone that um, wants an appointment with you and it organizes them and it, it's going to have your job schedule. It's going to have your proposal builder. It's going to have your invoicing. It's going to have um, organization. It's going to be a CRM. Whenever you do a demo with us, we're going to start with this. And we give you a scenario of you driving in the car or at an estimate and somebody calls you. 90% of our business owners that we work with answer the, answer the phone for the business. Okay. 90%. That's what I come up with from my generalization. I think it's pretty true. 90%. Nick, you're a phone guy. So you know that chances are I'm pretty accurate on that, right? Yeah, that sounds okay. about right. So what happens is, is they're driving or they're busy or they're painting and somebody, a good lead, I'm talking about someone that you generated for them, right? Somebody that's like a solid lead that found their website. And we're not talking about a paid lead here. We're talking about a good lead. You did the hard work, Nick, you get them to, to call the contractor and that guy is busy and he answers the phone like this with his shoulder. And he's like, thank you for calling, whatever, you know? Okay. And, and customer tells him, Hey, yeah, I want a painting estimate. And he goes, Hey, could you text me your information? So what you did was you created a really powerful online presence. You did a great job. The customer is 10 out of 10 trusting 10 out of 10 excited. So on and so forth. Chances are I'm going to hire him. He's my favorite. Cause I love his, his presence. People are making decisions off of this stuff. Right. Yeah. And then you answer the phone like you're working in your garage and then you have the customer text you their information and you don't even tell them all the information they need to text you. So when you get home at night, you say, hey, can you send me your email? Right. Or you, you say, um, hey, you know, can you send the rest of your address? And the customer loses that trust. You probably, so, Tanner, you probably learned in all the years in sales when you create friction, when you make that customer have to do something, the odds of them dropping off and losing interest is, is really high. 
Well, so. when you create friction, you create uncertainty. That's it. It's not that friction is a bad thing, but that's a little notch and a notch and a notch and a notch. And then now you don't become incomparable. You just become average. And then now at that point, they're looking at just your price. Okay. Because yeah. you didn't create anything special. So my scenario is you have drip jobs. That customer calls you. And instead of answering your phone and saying, hey, can you text me? We have a little button on the app that says, send them your booking link. So just say, hey, one second, I'm going to send you a link. If you could just fill out that form, we'll get back to you and schedule your appointment. Because people are trying to schedule the appointment on the go. We want confirmations as consumers when we buy something on Amazon or if we reserve a table at a restaurant online. Hey, did I? Did they get it? Right? Why, yeah. would, why wouldn't our customers want the same thing? And they're spending way more money. Right. And it, they've gotten even more used to it ever since everyone has moved online for buying toilet paper, you name it. They, they want that confirmation. We expect it. And it's not it's not a matter of a confirmation is a luxury anymore. It's almost an expectation. And without it, we have, again, uncertainty, uncertainty. And Tanner, I think, you know, looking at all of that, some people might say, well, you know, all this industry is built on trust. It's built on person-to-person -person connection. But what you're actually doing is you're creating a stronger person-to-person -person connection because you're freeing up more time to be able to build that trust. And so I, I guess, you know, what do you say when painters and contractors say, well, I got to talk to them on the phone. I have to build that person-to-person -person relationship um, versus, well, hey, if you have more time, you can do a better sure. job doing that. Agree. That's the, that's a great question. A great analysis of what I just said. I mean, in other words, when someone answers that phone, usually the cortisol kicks in of, Hey, I got to get their information. I got to book an appointment. It's not an exciting experience because you don't have a system, but for me, I'm always excited. Hey, how you doing? Oh, great. What do you want done? And I could be in the car. I could be driving. I could be doing whatever, knowing that I don't have to worry about the work part of that interaction. Okay, great. So that sounds awesome. You're going to love us. Hey, do you mind if I just send you a link? Cool. Here you go. It's a better experience and yep. it's because I have a system in place. And that's really like anything in business. I think the stress comes from not having something you can rely on, you know? And if they do that, they're not going to go to the next contractor on online and call them. They're going to say, well, I, feel, I feel secure. I'd like, I mean, I would like to believe that naturally, but that's okay because what, what we're doing is we're creating a really big comparison gap, yep. right? You know, fine. I'd actually kind of like when people get other quotes. Yep. You know, in a sense, because it's like we want to be so far away from that, that you're just like, it's a no brainer. Like, oh, wow, they gave me a confirmation. Oh, we got an email follow. -up. Oh, Tanner sent me a follow up the day after telling me how we got started in the painting business. I want to invest in that company. If you were presented two companies as an investor and they just showed you their products, but one of them had the opportunity to tell you a story about their product. Naturally, you want your money to be tied to a story rather than just a product, because that means that you know that that story holds weight. The product just might be a means to an end. So if those of you going out there for painting estimates are just going there presenting your product and there's no story tied to your product, look into that because you might be losing business. Generally speaking, good investors want a good story. They want to know the, the, the intangibles behind the product. Yeah. Yeah. And as a homeowner, you are an investor in your own. Oh, homeowner. yeah. And, and who you're and people just yeah. with. Where's your money going? Tanner, as we're, as we're here in 2023, AI is going crazy. Uh, businesses are online like never before. It's, it's, it's rare that we talk to a painter or a landscaper that's doing really, really well, that isn't on Google and Facebook and everywhere. Where do you see the trades in five years and in 10 
How does drip jobs play into that? Um, talk about the future of, of, of this industry. Well, everyone's going to need a software. I mean, unless you just, you know, I mean, they have to evolve, you know, um, we still do demos for people that are using nothing. So you're going to need that. And I think people will get more and more comfortable with it. Um, you'll probably start seeing a lot more pop up, you know, hopefully we'll be far enough ahead where no one will touch us, you know, but I think it doesn't matter. You know, ultimately I, I, I think, you know, this is something I thought yesterday, Google reviews are obviously becoming increasingly popular, right? Over the past few years in your local area, you might see some guys that are touching a hundred Google reviews in five years. I think 200, 250 in the painting business will be the, will be the par, you know, kind of like how restaurants are like some restaurants have thousands. thousands. Right? It's really I go to one that doesn't have thousands. I'm a little worried. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, I just feel like the online presence is just going to continue to be um, the, the more valuable thing. It's, and I think you need to align your business with the way that people buy. And you always should think that way. I use this analogy. You look at Walmart. Okay. Um, they bought jet.com. I think it was jet.com, the shipping company. There was a point in time in Walmart where they were like, we are never doing delivery. That sounds stupid. Okay. They had to have like, even us would probably say like, who the heck would order their groceries? <laughs> I said that. And I'm pretty keen on like technology. And I'm like, that's stupid. Yep. Let me tell you, do you know how many times I've ordered my groceries during COVID? <laughs> like, you know, it was awesome. So, you know, <laughs> and Walmart had to make an adjustment because the way a good company works is they see how people are um, reacting to innovation. Right. And when they see that there's a trend, of course, good companies want to jump on that trend. So for painting businesses, you've got to understand that like online marketing, people react well to it, whether you like it or not. People react well to a good website. They react well to a good online presence. It actually makes a difference. People react well to reviews. You're probably already feeling that. You probably already feel a pull on a job where you would normally walk out and say words that you shouldn't say because you're afraid that they might go online and tell about your experience. You're already tasting this. So to be honest with you, I mean, where, where I see the trades in five years, I just see there's going to be a really big gap between those that don't jump on board with technology and those that, that do more, more now than ever. Because again, you won't even be seen. Again, knocking on doors doesn't exist as much as it did before. Word of mouth is good, but it's not phenomenal. And I think with all the resources that you'll see, the lead generators, great companies that are coming up uh, for marketing. I mean, you're seeing the trend online now. There's a marketing company for every, you know, every person that you, every time you get on Facebook, you see another person started a marketing company for painters or, or, or roofers or whatever. And that's because digital marketing and the way people buy, people are trusting Facebook to deliver them a result. People trusted Google to deliver them a result, you know, so five years, I just think it's going to just amplify what we're experiencing now. I mean, I honestly see drip jobs being the number one software in the world for contractors. We'll probably supersede jobber service Titan house call pro. It's powerful. And, and, you know, it's a game as a contractor that you have to look at in advance. You can't wait. You can't wait two, three years to, to catch up because once you fall behind and you're behind a 
you know, a, a virtual door of not being seen, it becomes really hard. And even for guys that say, well, I get all my business word of mouth, word of mouth now happens online. If you tell a friend, hey, oh, you know, I work with premium painting, that friend doesn't just say, okay, great, I'm going to call Tanner. Yeah, okay, great. Here, hang tight. Yeah, No, they go online and they Google that company, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Where are they? They don't exist, right? Yeah. (laughs) So that's a great question, Jonathan. Thanks. I want to touch on contractor secrets uh, before we uh, wrap things up. You've talked to hundreds of pros uh, and you have a, a, a painting business as we've discussed all along. What's something you've learned from getting to talk to, to, to so many painters and, and other pros that you didn't run into on your own? Well, what, one of my favorite series in my podcast is the, the breakthrough series where actually I do free coaching for anyone. You can find my, you can honestly find my Calendly link somewhere on my podcast and just book a time with me. There's no charge. There's no upsell. I was wondering how that worked. Okay. Yeah. There's nothing. You just go and pick a time, you know? Yeah. Here I am in front of you listening to your business story. And I love this because I love giving advice and I can give it from a perspective that is from my heart. I remember what it was like when I first started. I remember the questions I had. I remember the things that didn't make sense and some of the things that I thought were pointless. And I can give a perspective of someone that's went through all that can turn back around and say, Hey, come on, do it this way. Try it this way. So I love that. But what I've learned is this, you have people that take action and people that don't, that's it. I mean, I've done over 150 coaching sessions. They're all logged on there. You can listen to them all, but I have found, and this is just cut and dry night and day, that there's people that take action in the momentum that would give them the best result and people that, that delay. And I'm sure everyone has a different story, but I know one thing about all of these people is that at one point in time, they told themselves that they were going to start a business and they did it. So they have the muscle. That's the biggest risk that they'll ever take ever in their professional lives is quitting security for uncertainty. So when I tell them to hire a company like top line to handle their online marketing, there's those that do it. And those that don't, those that do it, whether they are successful with you or not, Nick, they learned those that don't do it, speculate and find themselves in the same position in a few months that they were when they came to me with their problems. And it's the same thing. So taking action is, is the key. It's the successful person's gift. If you listen to my story just now, all I did was take action in the midst of uncertainty. They know the answer. They're just scared to do it. Well, they know the answer and then they get on with me and then I confirm the answer. And then for some reason, they look at how much the investment is, or they look at, you know, an experience that they've heard someone else had and they say, well, that's not good. And it's like, until you experience things yourself, you'll never fully know. You might know 99%, but not a hundred. So in the same way that I went to do painting with my team, now I know, you know, in the same way that I started a software company, now I know, you know, it's like, you just have to be willing to give up the money for the knowledge. And sometimes when you work with a good company, you actually get the result, which you're promised in return. Um, so that's kind of what I learned, Jonathan. 
Awesome. And you know, I listened to one of your episodes where um, there was a business owner who came on and he, he had a, like a five-person team and you walked through every single one of the, the five employees and he knew right away that he had like one good guy and he had one really problematic guy. And, yeah. and you know, throughout the conversation, you're saying, well, you know the answer, you just got to take action on it. And I think you, you finished up by saying, well, you know, come back and let's talk in 60 days and I want to hear that you took action. And I, I think it's a really good point. You can't know until you try. And the worst thing is just that yeah. wonder. Everyone knows. Everyone knows everything. And it's a matter of if you want to have an honest conversation with yourself or you want to just put things on the back burner, especially when it comes to employees. You might have one cancerous individual in your company and you might be keeping them because their skill set is the best, right? Or you need them to finish this next job, or you've made promises to them that you know you can't keep, but you're holding them on and they have leverage over you because of it. And all this kind of trash that happens as you're learning how to own and operate a business, taking action, taking action on firing employees quick. So you yeah. rip the bandaid off, right? All these big decisions that need to be made every day. And it's, and some people think that they don't need to make tough decisions every day. I make tough decisions every day because the buck stops with me. I have yep. to have an answer for you. So if yep. I, I just got better at taking action, that's all yep. little by little. And being comfortable with short-term sacrifice for that long-term game. <clears throat> I mean, when you switched over right. from, you know, the agency you were working with on building the first version to getting a CTO, I'm sure that was a short-term hit. Dude, that was the hardest mass. month. Dude, my, my code was in limbo. Yeah. I didn't even know where it was. Yeah. Imagine that, right? So, and Terrifying. we're virtual. Right? So yeah. was, that was tough, man. But it was just one of those things. You have to feel it, right? Everybody has that thing in them that, hey, man, I got to make this move. And the longer you wait, it's going to be painful. Either way, you're going to have the pain of, of growth or the pain of regret. And, uh, you know, which one do you want? I like the growth pain. At least I get something out of that. I'll get knowledge at the, at the very least. Exactly. Exactly. Tanner, you said early on that you wanted to start a painting business uh, and eventually not do so much painting, be, be the sort of manager and leader that, sure. that delegates and, and um, is in a position to, to, to help other people do that work. Um, now you're in charge of a software company. You have a podcast. Do, do you do any painting these days? No, man, I, I don't even have a paintbrush. Um, and it's kind of embarrassing sometimes if I go visit a customer and like, Hey, can you do this touch up? <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't have a paintbrush, you know, and, and, you know, I got to keep one, but what I love though, honestly, guys, is I love, um, giving people opportunity that there's people out there that do do painting and that's what they're good at. And that's what they know. And that's what they, they enjoy. And, uh, there's people that do do the painting and there's people that, create the opportunity for those to, to do the painting. I mean, one of my best employees, Shamel, he's an artisan. He loves it. I mean, he's just so good at what he does. And I created a place for him to not only do it, to, but to be respected in an environment where he does it, where he trains others and has a sense of pride and um, carries the weight of our company in some cases in terms of giving him the hardest jobs. So that's fun to me. And then again, like building our development team, Drip Jobs, finding what people love to do. They love to code, right? Jonathan, you, you still love to code? Oh, every day. I love it more. I love it. See? So, yeah. you know, um, building things, there's people that like to build and, and you're building something in a certain capacity. I like to build a business. I love to build a product and deliver it to the, to the market. I mean, I'd love them. So it's about doing, playing to your strengths. I do coach people guys that 
love to paint and they're having to struggle with parting with that because they know that they need to run a business. And I say, well, for now you can do that, but ultimately you're going to be a project manager and you can teach people what you know. And once you have a crew up and running, go paint your heart out, but have a system in place that, and feel what that feels like. And next thing you'll know is that you'll actually love the project management a little bit more, you know? So there's, there's a lot to that. Um, you know, for me, um, no painting. Well, Tanner, thank you so much for coming on Titan Talks. It was great to hear about your journey from the restaurants to, to car sales, to life insurance, finally painting, and, and ultimately um, you're, you're, you're building drip jobs and uh, we're excited watching from afar. It was so good to meet you. Man, this was great, guys. You guys are going to do big, big things. Um, and I want to I make one more point here. You know, Nick, we've known each other for a few years now. Oh, yeah. You're a, you, you have a heart for these contractors, man. People usually don't stick around this long. And, uh, <laughs> what you're, and I know you had to make a pivot from Profone. You know, I know that was hard because you were, you were just, you know, heavy into that. Yep. Um, obviously, people listen to this, trust you and like you and know you. But maybe some of them are pulling the trigger. Take the action. Give these guys a shot. You combine the two, it's a, it's a powerful thing. So, yeah, it the, is. The sentiment goes back your way as well for folks oh, yeah. that, are that, you know, work with us and feel like you're getting jobs coming in the door, but you need some help closing them. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you get the jobs, we'll organize them. There we go. That's it. Awesome. Thank you, guys. This was a pleasure. Thanks,